Listen in to the forum at St. James Church. Well, I have 11.06, so why don't we start, um, if that's okay with everybody. I suspect that there will be a trickle in, but we want to be true to our start time and also true to our finish time. Um, and uh, so I'm just glad to be with you. And the theme today is, and we're talking about the Psalms, the theme today is Psalms of Goodness. And I was thinking about that theme all week, and I have to tell you the thing that kept going through my mind was the general thanksgiving in the service of morning prayer, which is one of my favorite prayers, which in many ways sums up everything we need to know about the gospel. And so I just thought I'd begin by reading that prayer. It talks, just listen for how the ways it talks about God's goodness. Let us pray. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for your immeasurable love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts, we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So I just want to uh, dive in. I think everybody's muted, which is probably helpful. It makes me feel a little bit like uh, Ava talking to an empty church because you don't get as much feedback as you might uh, want if we were all sitting around the table together. But let's go with this muted thing and just I'll dive in and talk and we'll have some opportunity for folks to do a little bit of reading and to share some comments. Um, but I just wanted to start by saying, by, first of all, introduce, I know a lot of you, I don't don't know everybody, but I, my name is Jay Sybotham, and I am honored to be invited. Indeed, I'm thankful to have been invited by Brenda and company to come and, and serve among you beginning in September. It'll be something of a goofy arrangement because I'll be between here, and uh, I, which is Wilmington, North Carolina, and, um, and New York City, which is my home and which I love, and and places beyond. I serve as director of Renewal Works, and part of my ministry is to be on the road a lot and to talk to churches around the country. And so I don't know what that will look, none of us do, I don't know what that will look like in the fall in terms of travel and stuff, but um, but here we go, we'll, we'll, um, we'll do that. Hey, Zach. Hello, Jay. Hey, do you want to say anything before I dive in and rattle on about all this stuff? I don't think I want to say anything other than how great it is to have Jay leading the forum today. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Jay sort of picks up official duties in September, but he is such a good person that he was willing to do a summer forum for us. So I just have a word of thanks for Jay and uh, thrilled about him joining our staff. It's a gift. Good. And you're going to be host for this. And if I get into t any trouble, you're going to throw me a lifeline. Right, buddy? Of course. That's what I'm here for, Jay. That's okay. That's And to ask hard questions. <laughs> um, so anyway, well, well, that's great. I, I did want to just um, start in the spirit of God's goodness, which is the theme for the Psalms of the day, to express my gratitude to St. James and to Brenda and Zach and the whole crew for coming. I'm thankful to be part of this conversation on the Psalms. I'm thankful that I didn't get the week that picks 
that picks the theme of rage or lament. I'm glad somebody else got to talk about that. That was very kind of you. Uh, I, I did one. I've told some of you this story, but, you know, the Psalms have been a very important part of my spiritual journey. I've been an ordained priest for 30 years now, um, and I, um, before I was ordained, I was seminarian at St. James, and I had the privilege uh, slash challenge of leading uh, the confirmation class in one of my years when I was there. And when I completed my time with the... Um, with the confirmation class, um, they gave me this, which is the daily office, right? And at, I hope you can see that it's like totally beat up. And I've just been reading it um, for better or for worse. It's just been part of my life since then. And I have come to see the Psalms as sort of old friends. And I just have enjoyed reading it. But I wanted to show you, um, this is I've had a couple versions of these because like my my kid threw one of these books in the bathtub and I had to get rid of that. And then another time our dog ate the book. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about in that in the Isaiah passage we heard in church about, you know, tasting the word of God. Well, my dog literally ate the book and the pieces. You'll love this. The pieces of the book were in our living room in sort of a cruciform shape. I mean, it was just too much. But anyway, this book, but it says here, I don't know how many of you remember Elizabeth Dorelli Turner, but she said, you can, I don't know, you can see that. With love and appreciation uh, from the 1988-1989 confirmation class. And then check this out. Eighth grade scrawl. I don't know if you can see that. From Jeff Simmons, Maggie McLean, Allison Engel, Kirk Bedell, Selena Kingston, Cy Vance, Cy Anthony, uh, Cy Vance, Cy Anthony, Thomas Sheehan, Adam Weiner, and Catherine Bailey. I don't know if any of those folks, those folks are all probably running New York now, but I don't know if any of those folks are still around in the life of the community. But I treasure this book, and it's been a guide for me in the years, and I owe that really to um, this confirmation class, but in a broader sense, to St. James. And then the other thing I'm thankful for is this book, which um, I had not known about and not read, but this is Brueggemann's book, Sol Spirituality of the Psalms, which is serving as a guide for these conversations. I think, Zach, we have a couple more weeks of this going on, two or three more weeks, but, um, but that's um, just been a, a great gift. And I want to use it this morning to talk about God's goodness in, in, in many ways. Um, just a couple logistical notes is that if you have a prayer book handy, that might be helpful. I'm going to put a few things up on the screen um, and uh, share and share them, but you might want to have a prayer book handy. And I think uh, technology permitting, we'll have some breakout groups and a chance to talk about things. And I'm going to leave that to Father um, Zachary to, to orchestrate and come back and sort of report on those uh, three groups. And then just as we're chatting and as I'm rambling on here, um, if you have questions or comments or rebuttals or uh, whatever, uh, feel free to add those to the chat column with the number of people. We have almost 30 people on the call with the number of people. I suspect it gets a little complicated to have people muting and unmuting. But if you want to throw a question in the column and maybe I'll ask Zach to help me if if I'm missing one of those or something that we want to interrupt and talk about. So um, but that's kind of where we go. We'll go to 12 o'clock. 
Uh, I grew up in just north of New York City in Hastings on Hudson. My town newspaper, uh, my, my high school newspaper had this masthead. It said, all the news that fits, we print. So um, we will talk about God's goodness in the Psalms until 12 o'clock and, and see where that gets us. Um, but I, the two things about Brueggemann's book, which I, this is by way of repetition, which I wanted to um, just highlight and to use as a way of speaking about uh, God's goodness as reflected in the Psalms. One is that model that he has, which I've just been thinking about since the first uh, week when and our discussion uh, in the evening about the book, um, this sense of the progression of orientation, disorientation, and new orientation. The more I think about it, the more I just think that not only pervades the scriptures, but it also pervades uh, the history of the church and, and in many ways uh, probably is the story of each one of our lives that we move from orientation to disorientation to new orientation, that that movement, <laughs> I think, is particularly pertinent and palpable in this uh, season uh, we're in with these convening, coinciding crises uh, happening all at once. Um, the other piece that, that he talks a lot about, and again, I think this is a reflection of our own spiritual journeys, is that there's, there's an individual element to these psalms, but there's also a communal element and it's not an either or. I think sometimes in Christianity, we tend to go one way or the other, but both of those are strong elements in the, in, 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 in the Psalms, that there's an individual dimension to them, but there's also a communal dimension uh, to both to the Psalms in, 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 in the way that they written and, and in the experiences that, that they reflect. I was thinking, and I'm going to share a text in a minute, but I was thinking about the first class that Brenda led, led and she invited in the breakout sessions to talk about, um, to identify your favorite song. And if my memory serves me correctly, um, probably the most favorite of the favorite Psalms was Psalm 23, uh, which is... Um, uh, which was maybe not surprising, um, but it was intriguing. And it made me think about how it reflects uh, the story of God's goodness. I'm going to put it up on the screen. Uh, here we go. Boom. And um, if somebody wants to unmute and, and read this, that would be awesome. Um, I'll so do it. Uh, would, would you, Alexandra? Alexandra, would you be to willing do to do that? Can you see it okay? Yep. Okay. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you for reading that. It's, um, it's striking to me. I, again, I was thinking about this whole theme of goodness all week, and it strikes me that we find in this psalm not only the theme of goodness, and maybe that's that most 
uh, you know, and, and familiar verse, uh, surely grace and mercy shall follow me. But I was thinking about it in terms of what Brueggemann says about uh, orientation and disorientation and reorientation. Because that first bit, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, it just talks about orientation, the goodness that we experience in our lives, lying down in green pastures, being fed, all that kind of stuff. Um, the second paragraph in there um, talks a little bit about disorientation, walking through the valley of the shadow of death, uh, confronting evil, um, that whole theme of, of the challenge. It's so interesting to me that in this beautiful pastoral psalm, we're taken through the valley of the shadow of death. And then uh, finally, maybe that last bit is, is really about new orientation, that sense that there is, um, and, and uh, you know, to, in, to my mind, I don't know what y'all think, but to my mind, that new orientation is really about hope and the hope that surely goodness shall follow me all the days of my life may not be there quite yet, but that that new orientation is something that's happening. This is the only psalm, I think, I, you know, Zach, correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I think it's the only psalm uh, that uh, comes printed two ways in the Book of Common Prayer. Uh, it's printed, this is taken from the, of the burial office uh, in right one, and uh, they give a version of Psalm 23 in the translation that the prayer book offers, and then they give the King James Version. And I just think it's interesting that uh, I think it's probably a nod to the fact that this is like one of the few pieces of, of biblical literacy that is sort of shot throughout our culture. And I can go to sort of the most secular settings, uh, you know, a funeral where they aren't really church folk or something. And if we start to dive into this Psalm 23, people kind of know it. It's really interesting. So I think that our prayer book has allowed, has offered this alternative version uh, which is so familiar and so so beautiful in its in its language, but as a way of uh, just helping to keep people in touch with this promise. But it's really all about um, God's goodness. Um, so uh, Brueggemann uh, talks about the goodness of God in his book in a variety of ways. He talks about them mostly in that first phase of orientation. Um, in here's a quote from a book. Um, he says, human life consists in satisfied seasons of well-being that evoke gratitude for the constancy of blessing. Let me read that again. Human life consists in satisfied seasons of well-being that evoke gratitude for the constancy of blessing. These psalms of orientation indicate a well-ordered world. Psalms of orientation articulate the joy, delight, goodness, coherence, and reliability of God, God's creation, and God's governing law. And what I thought I would do in just the little bit of time we have is look at those three things that Brueggemann talks about, uh, about God's goodness, um, uh, synonyms are the joy, delight, coherence, and reliability of God, God's goodness. Secondly, God's creation is a place where we see that goodness at work. And then the third that he identifies, which I don't know that I would have come up with if I was thinking about it, is the third uh, um, witness example of God's goodness is God's governing law. So um, I wanted to just look at those uh, each in turn and just give a couple examples from the Psalms of those three areas, the goodness of God, 
the goodness of God's creation, the goodness of God's governing law. So back to sharing the screen. Hold on for a minute. So the goodness of God, uh, first of all, is one of the Psalms of orientation. And just as an example, I was thinking of Psalm 136. And it's like, it goes on forever. It's one of these long Psalms that, and it just has this sense of being perhaps a piece of liturgy um, that you can hear people responding because every verse includes a sentence about the goodness of God. And then it's, and then each verse is punctuated for his mercy endures forever. So we talk about giving thanks to the Lord for he is good. And then the you know, ideally the congregation would say, for his mercy endures forever. Episcopalians have picked up some of this. Give thanks to the God of gods for his mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords for his mercy endures forever. And then it goes on, and I just picked a couple of verses. It, 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 it's really a wonderful, it's almost a meditation if you want to just read it out loud, um, just as a way of getting into a frame of mind in which you're thinking about the goodness of God. Um, God who does great wonders and made the heavens and then uh, talks about the history. So many of these Psalms that talk about the goodness of God revisit the Exodus and the story of how people were delivered, how they were saved uh, from the hardship of that experience. I think they all come through the lens, although it's not always explicit. In fact, I think it's kind of rarely explicit. They come through the lens of the experience of Israel in exile when they had been uprooted and taken from their home, talk about disorientation. And they, are, um, they look back to the Exodus as, as a way of reflecting on that. So struck down the firstborn of Eden, brought out Israel from among them, for his mercy endures forever. Then as they uh, established the promised land, they struck down great kings, they slew mighty kings, for his mercy endures forever, and remembered us, Let's see. Remembered us in our lowest state and delivered us from our enemies for his mercy endures forever. For the goodness of God is seen in their history. And I wonder how um, just a thing to sort of think about and kick around in your own frame of mind, how it is that your own history reflects your own spiritual journey reflects the goodness of God. I often in talking with people about their spiritual journeys, which is one of the great gifts that I have get to do in this work with Renewal Works is to talk not only about individual, but communal spiritual journeys with congregations. And what I often will say to folks is, you know, think about it as, as looking in the spiritual rearview mirror, um, because it's not always possible to see the goodness of God in the moments in which you find yourself, but as you look on your life and the key moments and events that happened, it's possible to see God's uh, intervention, God's activity, God's presence in ways that we might not immediately uh, recognize in the course of our lives. So that's the first one, the goodness of God. Uh, Brueggemann has a wonderful phrase. He says, the goodness of God is sometimes known in quiet, unobtrusive sustenance, in quiet, obtrusive sustenance. And I wonder if that's ever been your experience. Um, secondly, uh, the goodness of God is known in God's creation. So let's look at a couple of those verses. So, you know, I think a lot of these will be kind of familiar to you. Um, and I'm sure there are others I got to pick, but I'm sure if you were thinking about this, you'd come up with other ones because 
um, actually the Psalms are shot through. We heard it today, actually, in Psalm 65 in, in worship uh, at 10 o'clock, uh, this beautiful Psalm about the glory of God's creation. And then, and then <laughs> wonderfully, Ava took us out to Central Park to experience the glory of God's creation in that quite uh, charming uh, and helpful uh, illustration of what the heck a sower is seed. I always think this will be interesting to explain to New York City kids what a sower is and what a farm is and all that kind of stuff. But um, that was um, just a witness to God's goodness in creation. So a couple of these Psalms that, and, and I just highlighted a couple of verses, but if you want to look at these more deeply or even use them as meditative focus for your own reflection on God's goodness, Psalm 19, which is just stunning and has been set to stunning music. Um, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament show his handiwork. One day tells its tale to another and one night imparts knowledge to another. Moving on, which is um, probably a, a, a wonderful verse for our presiding bishop who makes one of his three tenets of his own ministry as he's presiding bishop creation care is this idea of, of, of Psalm 24, particularly verse one, the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world who all and all who dwell therein. Um, for it is he who founded it upon the seas and made it firm upon the rivers and deep. And then um, I just, this is like one of my favorite Psalms ever. Um, I know I say that about every Psalm, but um, Psalm 104 is all about creation. It's really quite rich. Um, and the verse I, verse I love, I just think it, it cracks me up when I read it. Um, but it talks about the Lord, how excellent is your greatness and clothed with majesty. And then it goes on. And then you come to verse 26 and 27. Yonder is the great and wide seas with its living things, too many to number and creatures, both great and small. There move the ships. And there is that Leviathan, which you have made for the sport of it. I just love that. The Leviathan, the whale. Um, and it says, God just made that animal for the sport of it. Um, and I, you know, I think there's a, you know, a wondrous thing about looking at creation and the ways that God's goodness is reflected in sort of crazy creativity with the, the beauty and variety of creation and the psalmist sort of picks that up. Um, then I, um, uh, let's just do one more real quick. Then the third thing that Brueggemann points out, the goodness of God's governing law. Again, that was not something that I intuitively would have drawn to as thinking about the goodness of God. Um, it might be sort of necessity of God that we have rules and laws and such. Um, but one of the pieces, and it comes through in the Psalms, is this idea that God's governing law, God's governing teaching, God's governing guidance is a good thing is intended for us in the psalms speak to that so again from psalm 19 the law of the lord is perfect and revives the soul the testimony of the lord is sure and gives wisdom to the innocent the statutes of the lord are just and rejoice the heart the commandment of the lord is clear and gives light to the eyes and you get all of those synonyms for the law you know i think often we identify christianity and religion as being a bunch of rules. I hear that a lot when I talk to people who are sort of outside the church. And, uh, and there's a sense in which it's just about 
towing the line. And I think we hear that in a variety of ways. Um, what the Psalms try to do is say, this is really for our, our goodness. Ava, I think talked last week, I'm not sure, I guess it was last week that she taught and she talked about the Hebrew scriptures and the law as the Haggadah and the Halakha, which is really um, how the law is described in the Hebrew scriptures. And those are taken from two verbs, to walk and to talk. And, 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 and really the, the intention behind the law is to tell, us, to tell us how we should walk and to tell us how we should talk and to put those two things together and to say that is really the, the guidance we are looking for, the guidance we need in our own uh, journey of faith. Um, I often tell people if, if, if you wanna know what one of our liturgies is about, baptism or marriage or a burial or, or Eucharist or baptism, if you look at the verbs in the prayers, it will tell you what the service is about. And I, I think that's true of this law. The, the law is given to help us know how to live life in this world, how to walk and talk. And so this psalmist celebrate that. Um, I don't know that in our conversations we talked about Psalm 119, which really goes on forever. I think there are 176 verses in Psalm 119. It's glorious, but in, if you do the daily office, you know that they don't take it all at once. They give it, they deliver it up in chunks. But every one of those 176 verses includes some reference to God's law, God's commandment, God's statutes, God's teaching. Uh, and it's just interesting. It's sort of, um, maybe this is just church geek stuff, but it's sort of fun to see how that shows up in every single verse. And, and, and it is to say that that is a celebration of the goodness of God found in God's teaching or God's law or the way that God directs us or the way that God spiritually coaches us in all the journey of faith. But that's sort of the third element that, uh, that Brueggemann points out in terms of the goodness of God's law. So um, those are three things that um, Brueggemann points out, goodness of God, goodness of God's creation, goodness of God's, uh, God's governing law. I suspect there are others. I suspect there are others to be found in the Psalms. I encourage you maybe to think about what those other reflections of God's goodness in the Psalms might be, and you might want to kick that around when we go into a uh, breakout group. Um, I did thank uh, Zach and company for not making me talk about rage and lament, but this is actually not necessarily the easiest or less complicated talk, uh, topic to talk about because I think there are some questions that come up when we talk about the goodness of God um, and uh, their challenges for the spiritual journey. Um, and as we see reflected in scripture and probably as we occasionally see reflected in the mirror, um, it's often um, that we think that God is good um, because we're so good. Um, uh, uh, Brueggemann points out that focus on the goodness of God can lead to complacency, and we certainly see that in the history of, of Israel. Um, we see it in the, in the beginnings of the history of the church described in Scripture, that, um, that a focus on God's goodness can lead to a sort of sense of, well, aren't we special? Aren't we, aren't, isn't God lucky to have us on the team? Um, I, I, some of you know that when I'm, when I'm not approaching work for St. James in New York, I work for Renewal Works, and we work with congregations. Uh, 
And uh, about a quarter of the Episcopal congregations come up with a profile of complacency. It's like, we're good. We're done. There's no more we need to work on. And uh, I suspect there's that voice in, in each of us from time to time. And, uh, and, and that's a challenge in talking about the goodness of God. Um, there's a challenge, and we see this in religious folk in a variety of ways. God is good to me, but not to them. My younger sister, you know, siblings are just great. And my younger sister <laughs> a couple of years ago gave me a bumper sticker that said, Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. And, uh, and I think that there is something that goes on with us in, in our individual lives, even if we don't admit it, that we um, tend to see God's goodness as a sign of, of, of comparison uh, with other people. And the question of God's goodness is, um, it raises its, its head. Um, I, I mentioned that I'm here in coastal North Carolina, and every year about this time until November, we are on hurricane watch. And um, that generally, I don't know what you think about weather prayers. I don't know what I think about weather prayers, but when a hurricane is approaching, I pray that it won't rip up my house. And um, it's just an interesting spiritual dynamic to think about because every now, most of the time, hurricanes skirt us. And I give thanks for the goodness of God. But that hurricane went somewhere. And my experience of goodness was somebody else's experience of challenge and loss. And I think um, there is a tendency among human beings to think of the goodness of God without uh, entering into the experience of other people um, who might uh, face hardship. Um, we, have a, we have a situation going on in my family. My father-in-law is in the hospital, 91 years old with COVID, which is um, sort of dominating our experience right now. Um, but we had a good report yesterday, and he is probably going to come home in a day or two, which is awesome, for which we say thanks be to God, for which we celebrate God's goodness but there are a lot of people who won't be coming home. And so how do we think about God's goodness in that situation? How do we think about God's goodness in light of the suffering of the world? How do we make sense of that? It's why it's so important to me, and I'm so thankful for Brueggemann and for you guys pointing me to this book, to know that the goodness of God is not only seen when things are going like really well, but when we can see God's goodness in the midst of disorientation and when we can channel that into new orientation, that is really, uh, I think, the faithful approach to thinking about the goodness of God. So, and then there's the perennial question that I would get from a fine group of students like the confirmation class at St. James, eighth graders, who would say, if God is good, he cannot be all powerful. And if he is all powerful, he can't be all that good. And how do we sort of uh, reconcile the challenges that, that Brueggemann addresses at the end of his book about the tough things that happen to people's lives and how we square that with the goodness of God. Uh, Brueggemann talks about um, <laughs> the risk of basking in our own self, our, our own well-offness, basking in our own well-offness and how do we uh, live our lives in that sense of awareness, of um, 
the challenges around us and still celebrate the goodness of God's love. So the topic is not quite as simple as, as we might, um, as we might think. Um, there are Psalms. I'm going to, I'm going to just say a couple things and then uh, dive into it. There are some Psalms and I'll just highlight these. You can look them up if you want to jot them down or whatever. Uh, Psalms of disorientation. Look at Psalm 78, which talks at length. It's a great Psalm for Vicki Hall and company. And we had all those wonderful kids on the service at, at 10 o'clock. Uh, it's a wonderful psalm about passing on what we know of God to our kids, to the next generation, and to the generation after that, generation after that. But it's all framed in the experience of disorientation, that people don't necessarily experience uh, God's goodness. How do we get at that? And then Psalm 27, this wonderful phrase in Psalm 27, 17, what if I had not believed that I should see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? What if I had not believed that I should see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? And then we have um, Psalms of new orientation. Psalm 34 is one in particular, uh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Uh, that offering of a new orientation really brought out of difficult circumstances that the psalmist was facing either individually or corporately. Um, and seeing and envisioning and imagining and dreaming and hoping for the experience of the goodness of God. So it's about 20 of 12. What I'd like to do is ask my friend Zach to break us into breakout groups. And I have two questions, and I'll type them in the column on the right if you need them. But here they are. And I was thinking about this. This might be a fun project for a congregation someday for you, for the members of the congregation to write their own psalms, Right. But if you were to write uh, your own psalm of God's goodness, you don't have to write it in this breakout group. But what would be the themes? What would you talk about if you were to write a psalm about God's goodness? Um, so that's one thing you can talk about. Um, does that sound like a clear assignment for conversation? Raise your hand or nod or thumbs up or something. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Great. Um, and then you can also talk about, and we could probably talk about this for about six weeks. Do you ever wonder about God's goodness and what is it that makes you wonder and how have you resolved those kind of questions in your own journey? So Zach, if I top it, type these in the chat column, can people still see them if they go into breakout groups? Yes. Okay. So I'll type them in. Zach is going to do his magic with breakout groups and uh, we'll come back. What do you think? 10 minutes, Zach? I think 10 minutes is probably right. Okay. And uh, we'll come back. And what I'd love is to, uh, to the extent that we can in a bit of time, a succinct, did I say succinct <laughs> report from each group about what kind of themes came up Um you can carry this conversation beyond in your own life with those you love or whatever, but, um, but just a, a succinct report. I think we have 30, you put in groups of four or five. Yeah. I'm going to do about six rooms of four or five. Okay. And uh, when I assign you momentarily, you'll need to accept that invitation. And if we, if you could in your group, just designate somebody who will be the spokesperson for that, um, succinct offering. So I'll put the questions in. Zach's going to break you out. And then I think the way this works is you don't have a choice about coming back, right? Yeah, I can invite, I can 
tell everyone to come back. Yeah, we're not inviting. We're telling. In the forum okay. in real life. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Awesome. See you in a minute. Are we all back? Uh, yes. Excellent. Excellent. Back. Let's see. Um, well, here's the deal. I don't know quite how to do this. I don't know how we number the groups, but um, if, if uh, we have six groups, so if you can uh, begin, uh, I don't know if they're numbered. Well, let's go to group two and we'll, get, we'll come back to group one. Anybody from group two? Um, Evelyn, I, I, think, I think Evelyn should speak for group two. Okay. Evelyn, okay. you've been, um, been voluntold. Okay. <laughs> I was. Um, I went to the second question. Uh, okay. you, do you ever wonder about God's uh, kind, kindness yeah. uh, when when they're suffering? And um, my sister with, uh, and I had a broken relationship. And if it wasn't for her illness, which lasted like three and a half years, I I don't think I uh, we would have been reconciled. Wow. Um, so the goodness there was that uh, I was the main caregiver and and my heart was changed and and my I was I was there for my sister but the 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 mending of that relationship I will never I'm, I mean when she died the last words I said I love you I'll miss you you mean a lot to me and that was the the breaking down of the barriers of my heart and that was the goodness of the suffering. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. That's awesome. That's very much the new orientation that I think Brueggemann's talking about. Another group, group three. Anybody? I don't know what group we're in, but I will speak to Al for, for Al. Thank you. Yeah, I won't do groups. I won't do group numbers. I'll just say next group, but next group go. Yeah, my brother died of cancer last year, and that's always tough to lose a sibling. But I think the good part of it is he lived a good life. And at his death, we were all around him in the hospice. He, he died in, in hospice uh, with his wife, his kids, and his siblings all around him. We were all there for him and could, could share his, his passing. So he then went very peacefully. So I could have no complaints about that. Thank you for sharing that. Anybody else want to share something from one of the groups? I will, Alexandra. I, I think I was group out, breakout five. Um, thank you. We, I'll focus on uh, question one. Um, the words uh, steadfast and synonyms related to that word came up. Uh, steadfast, reliability, durability. The idea of, let's say, um, a very thick fabric that's well woven, that's not going to fall apart, that that, that presence and goodness in, of God is, is steadfast, reliable, durable, um, and that goodness is, is meant for everyone, provides strength. Um, looking back and in times of our lives that may have been stressful, you know, the durability and steadfast qualities of God was woven into our lives, whether we realized it or not. That was, that was, we said other things, but that wanted, you wanted to be succinct. So I'm just going with steadfast <laughs> and various definitions. Thanks. Thank you for that. Thank you. I think we ought to tell Brueggemann that he needs to add another category. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else?
Anybody else? Any other groups? We've had three. I think we have three more maybe to go. Richard, are you, are you up? I can jump in. Yeah, well, I don't know what number we are. Yeah. We had Nancy and Mertz and Sarah and uh, Jeriba and me. Uh, so just totally mirroring and paralleling what Alexandra just said, uh, Mertz was talking about continuity and steadfastness as his idea around primarily God's goodness. And Sarah's was about ever turning, the idea, I think, of, of turning towards something constantly. It's, it's not fixed. I came up, I won't go long into this, but I was reflecting this morning before church on the idea that was presented at our retreat, our last retreat that the St. Jamesians went on up in the Catskills on Tikkun Olam, which was the idea in the Bible, in the Hebrew, of repairing the world or mm. fixing the world. And that it's, I was reading something this morning about how that's quite overused these days, that we are told we're supposed to go out and fix everything and repair everything. Whereas the idea, according to some, is that it's more about repairing within ourselves, not just fixing everything outside here in the out, outside world. Um, that's, a, that's a psalm I'd love to write, actually. Uh, go for it. That's, that, that's where we're going. Uh, <laughs> because repairing in ourselves is where we start from, I think, with God's goodness and also with how we look at repairing um, what can be changed and, and what can't and accepting all that. That's us. Thanks. Thank you. I think that's, that's an example of the integration of the individual and communal thing that Brueggemann talks so much about, you know, that, right. um, that when we were, when we were talking, I, we mentioned you in talking about that. Yes. That it's the communal way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my, our feelings maybe were that during COVID and after is that the communal way is really the way we need to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's helpful. What else? We just have a few minutes before noon. I want to be true to our time. Any other groups want to report in? We sure, I can. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> we talked about uh, mercy, forgiveness. Um, and now that I think about it, I'm not sure that there's so much about that in the Psalms. Is there? Because there's a lot about you'll help, you'll help, you'll smite my enemies and you'll, uh, you'll help me. But I don't know, is there a lot about forgiveness? Mm -hmm. There's certainly like um, Psalm 51 is a Psalm we read on uh, Ash Wednesday, right, Zach? Yeah. Um, I'm always looking at Zach like to correct my errant, errant liturgical knowledge, but, um, but that's really about asking forgiveness. Um, I'm not sure about psalms that talk about extending forgiveness. There's this wonderful psalm that I have been finding, find, finding useful of late. I think it's Psalm 101 or 109. It talks about our enemies and um, how we pray for them, how we're asked to pray for them, which I think is just um, uh, just an amazing thera therapeutic bit of wisdom. Um, that I didn't realize was as old as it is, but that if we have people who, who, who oppose us, that praying for them is probably a good place to begin. I don't know, but there probably needs to be more Psalms. And you gotta go write one. 
Good. One more comment. I, I forget. Uh, was it Susanna who was going to speak? Yeah, just real quickly. We, our group talked a lot about kind of being in awe of God's creation and like the mysteries of God and thinking about our lives through God's time as opposed to our own um, mm. and the goodness that there is in that, especially through difficult times. We also, in the second question, kind of talked about looking at when things are difficult or not good or bad, like bad events, kind of looking underneath them and through them to find the good that comes out of it and how people respond and that being God's goodness working through, through people and their response to tragedy. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I think we should, as I see it's 12 o'clock, I think we should wind up. I did want to just say I, I have this um, habit with groups of always ending with what I call the so what factor, which is to invite people to think about uh, what difference this all this talking we've been doing makes in our lives in the coming weeks. So I invite you to think about the things we've talked about and how, um, how you might carry them into the week and think about um, the implications of celebration of God's goodness and the challenges and joys that that brings and how that can guide you through um, this coming week. And I thought maybe we would just close um, by rereading Psalm 23. Sarah Cunningham, would you be willing to read this? I would. Okay, let me, um, I'll put it up on screen or you can find it. Let's see. I've got a, hold on a second here. I can, it's on the screen or you can. Uh, let me, I don't see 20, we're looking for 23. Here it comes, boom. Yes, I will. Great. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you all. Go in peace. Have a great week. It's a privilege to be with you. I look forward to being with you more. And uh, Zach, any, any benedictory comments? I don't have any, Jay. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you. Thanks, everybody. Have a good day. To learn more about St. James Church, visit stjames.org. That's stjames.org.